Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. My name's Dave. And I'm Matt. And we are... Root Beer Radio. That's right. And this episode of Root Beer Radio is brought to you by Soda Pop Bros. Looking for unique and hard-to-find soda pop? Well, how about Canadian-branded root beers? Soda Pop Bros is your go-to source for all of those products, as well as their own line of beverages to tickle your fancy. They offer shipping around the globe with attention to safe and secure packaging provided by Whale Pod shippers at generous Canadian dollar rates. Let your American dollar stretch just a little bit further and order online at www.sodapopbros.com. Yes, and enter a code Root Beer Radio to receive a free Soda Pop Bros bottle opener when you spend $25 or more. Or if you happen to be in the Windsor, Ontario, Canada area, they would love to have you stop by and check out their store at uh, 1009 Droulard Road in the heart of Ford City, Windsor, Ontario. That's right. And you can find all of the links to their social media and their website in the description below. So, Matt, we have a great, great guest today on our podcast. Mm-hmm. We do. We do. Yeah. Steven Norberg from Thunder Beast Soda. Yes. And maybe you remember a few years ago. It was like a year ago, year and a half ago. Thunder Beast Craft Soda Company took on, well, got attacked by Monster Energy Drinks in a trademark lawsuit. A true David versus Goliath, uh, David versus Goliath story. I cannot That's speak right. English. It's today. okay. It's okay. Well, you were better. It's fine. We'll just move on. So <laughs> enjoy the episode. We'll see you there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. My name is Dave. And I'm Matt. And we are... Root Beer Radio. That is right. And we are joined tonight with Stephen Norberg from Thunder Beast Craft Soda Company. Stephen, welcome. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. Yeah. Talk to yeah. We have been trying to set this, this interview up for... Well, I, I reached out to you like a year and a half ago, I think. Or a year ago. And then fell off the face of the planet that was my fault yeah. you know you know COVID happened yeah. you know there's been a few things in that time so <laughs> yeah busy year yeah yeah so Stephen Thunder Beast Craft Soda Company can you tell us about yourself and the company and how like how you got started with it absolutely so I grew up a pretty big root beer fan as you might expect grew up in Kansas City and when I was in college, I uh, I didn't drink alcohol, but I wanted to be kind of the life of the party and well entrenched mm-hmm. in the party scene. And root beer kegs were obviously the best way to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I took kind of a deep dive in the root beer keg scene and even started a business called rootbeerkegs.com. <laughs> Not still active, but I used to market and sell kegs of root beer for high school and college parties because I liked it so much. That's awesome. And so that kind of led to uh, me drinking a lot of root beer and realizing I needed to start making it myself because it was too expensive to keep buying it from craft breweries. And so uh, probably 2011, I started making root beer in my kitchen okay. and spent a couple years making probably dozens of batches. I would make a bunch of friends go over, come over. I had them fill out cards to give me feedback on all the different flavors. I had some pretty awful combinations, but uh, <laughs> ended up starting my business, Thunder Beast, in 2013 is a culmination of all those things. That's, that's, you know, that sounds a lot like us. We've made a lot of root yeah. beer together and it's been a lot. It's been bad. So <laughs> yeah, it, almost all yeah. of it's been undrinkable. 
Um, but I, I got a very, I had a very similar start. Um, I started home brewing beer uh, at 19 uh, because I got really fed up with uh, asking my brother or anybody else to go buy me, uh, buy me beer. And I'm like, you know, I can just get all this stuff on my own and just start making it in my house. And uh, yeah, now we're here 11 years later. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's been kind of an interesting journey so far. Um, yeah, I was reading your, the bio on, uh, on your website here. Um, there's a reference to a, uh, soda root beer explosion of 12, 2012. <laughs> uh, were those bottle bombs? It was not a bottle bomb. Okay. Oh. I was getting a little adventurous with my forced carbonation methodology, yeah. but I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And effectively, I cranked the pressure up too high on my CO2 tank, and I didn't have the hose tightened enough. And Ooh. so it popped off, and it started spinning around the room like this. And I had root beer on every wall in the ceiling within a few seconds. And it took me a few seconds to figure out how to stop it. The pressure in the keg was so strong, I couldn't just put my hand over it. It kept kept spraying yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So I, I had uh, five roommates at the time. And for several <laughs> years afterward, we kept finding droplets of root beer behind the pots and pans and the, the cabinets and on the walls. And fortunately it smelled it smelled really good yeah. so there was one redeeming quality but it was a pretty epic experience that that is a much different outcome than i was expecting that's uh <laughs> that's in, that's incredible yeah oh my god yeah we've yeah. done i've done that we we pressurized a keg too much i don't remember what i did but oh i put the uh the tap on the wrong connection so i put it where yeah. the air goes in just everywhere i was at a, i was doing a rip here for a grad party Rip your everywhere. It was horrible. <laughs> so we we know. It, it, as much as I like to say that I got better, <laughs> and while I did get my method down, I think every facility when I hand produced it myself, even in large batches, I still managed to get it on the ceiling and the wall. Mm -hmm. So yep. making root beer is not a neat and simple process. <laughs> no, anyone was wondering. Yeah, but it is fun. It's a lot of fun yeah. and rewarding. I think. Look, we're all mm. drinking Thunder Beast. Oh yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a beautiful yes. thing. It is. Um, I didn't wasn't able to get the root beer near me, so I picked up the cream soda. Uh, ah, shout out awesome. to Neil at the Blue Sun Soda Shop. Oh yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, he pointed it out to me. I when I requested it. Neil sounds like fine a lad. great guy. Neil yeah, is a great lad. guy. Yeah, he was working last time. <laughs> Actually, last time Matt and I got together, we separately, like within ten minutes of each other, went to the Blue Sun Soda Shop, and saw Neil. Yeah. But we didn't run into each other. It was ridiculous. <laughs> we didn't tell each other we were going to the same place after we saw each other. So anyways, okay, Stephen, for people that haven't had Thunder Beast, what, how would you describe the flavor profile? So I, I went for a unique and different uh, experience with my root beer. Um, I would say it has a traditional underlying base, kind of that uh, – a birch and wintergreen flavor, kind of similar to sassafras, mm -hmm. but I used notes of maple and butterscotch and a fair amount of honey in it to mm -hmm. give it just a really interesting complexity to it. And uh, I think it's such that none of those are really overpowering, and some people can't guess what's in it, but usually mm -hmm. when you hear what it is, you're like, oh, yeah, that's yep. some butterscotch, that's some maple, I get the honey on there. Right, that's exactly what just went through my mind. <laughs> what's, oh, yeah, that's what that is. It's yeah. the maple and the and the butterscotch, yeah. Okay. Finally, so, just got the cream soda open. Still, 
What, how would you describe the profile on the cream soda? It's a vanilla cream soda, American vanilla cream soda, right? It is. That's right. The, the best kind of cream soda there is. Yeah. <laughs> um, it actually has just a hint of coconut in it. Um, that, and I that's did what that, that is. Yeah, yeah. I did that because vanilla is a really great flavor, mm-hmm. but I didn't want it to be too one-dimensional. I wanted mm-hmm. to give it just a hint of something. Um, I don't think most people would guess that it's a fruity uh, right. tropical flavor, but I think they would say it has just a hint of something unique in it. And yeah. That's, that's what yeah. I'm... Yeah. That was my first reaction is like, you know, like with the cream soda, there's usually a very particular note that you expect. And then there was like this kind of, uh, um, interesting finish. I'm like, there's something here. I want to guess what it is. And then, uh, I wasn't able to come to it very quick. So, but yeah, it, it's very pleasant. I like that a lot. That's um, great. Glad to hear yeah. it. How... When you were, uh, Oh, sorry, Dave. Well, no, you go ahead. If it, yeah, you go when ahead. you were uh, making your uh, root beers at you know in college, and you know when you're crafting your recipes, did you have a particular method on how you went about doing it, like uh, sourcing ingredients or anything like that? Because we've had some pretty hilarious failures mm-hmm. uh, so far with trying to <laughs> uh, get stuff for the root beer. Um, like I've been using a sassafras root bark powder, and it is impossible to filter out. Uh, it clogs every coffee filter I put it through. And uh, right now I'm uh, I'm kind of spinning my wheels here trying to figure out how I go forward. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never used a root powder. Um, starting out, I mostly just used liquid extracts. And I mm-hmm. found a bunch of flavor companies. And I found pretty early on that if you tell people you're starting a company, they'll send you lots of free samples. And so I just got a lot of samples from a lot of different vendors. Sure. And eventually I figured out which ones I liked. I kind of had the brute force attack method of just try everything and mm-hmm. see okay. what you like. Um, and so, yeah, it took, took dozens of different iterations and experiments to figure out which of the root beer flavors, the root beer extracts I liked and the other things. And it wasn't until probably a few years later <clears throat> when I was uh, up and running commercially, I started making cream soda that I got into more interesting local or natural products i started to source different fruit from farmers to the farmers markets and then i would use the ginger and just use you know fresh ginger and have to kind of physically process it and strain it and do all those things so that was a lot more time intensive than when yeah. i first started with the root beer it was mostly just liquid extracts and sure things that's awesome uh making like an actual ginger beer has been like my favorite way to make a soda so far because that, that it's so it it's so easy, I guess. Like all I do is I just chop up you know, little chunks of a, of a ginger root, uh, and then drop it into a food processor. I don't even bother peeling it, and it it seems to come out perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I tend to make it quite a bit on the spicy end, almost nearly a pound mm. uh, per gallon. Awesome. <laughs> so that is that uh, is strong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the the first time I made ginger beer, <clears throat> I spent probably an hour peeling the ginger because I was making you know a five gallon batch, and I realized after a while, like, I suppose like you did, that you don't actually have to do it if you're straining it out. But yeah, I uh, quickly looked for other methods after that. I think I had blisters <laughs> on both of my hands by the end. So labor of love. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, we all we t- always tend to do something uh, uh, silly the first time around uh, when we're we're doing this. Although for Dave, you and I uh, making root beer has been uh, lots of errors yeah. consistently. I love it. But it's the only way yeah. to learn, you know. Only way to learn. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, how did you come up with the name Thunder Beast? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I was, I developed my uh, flavor profile and my product before the brand, mm -hmm. and I knew going into it, I wanted a name that was a lot different than anything else on in the market, mm -hmm. right? So you have like your A and Ws and Mug and Barks and some of these kind of big name brands that <clears throat> were either named after somebody or it didn't really connect with me as something really exciting and interesting. And so I wanted something that would kind of captivate you and get your imagination going. Yeah. And I saw a documentary that the Discovery Channel did called Thunderbeast talking about the American bison and yeah. how the Native Americans had a name for them that translated as Thunderbeast because they would shake the ground as they ran. And I just <laughs> thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah. And, uh, and also I knew that the Native Americans historically had used sassafras as a medicinal drink. And so mm -hmm. I just thought that was so neat that the origins of my favorite drink go back to Native Americans. It's a cool way to honor one of them and think about the history and bison mm -hmm. are just really great American icons and cool yes. animals. So yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I really dig the label. I, I mean, there's a lot to like about it. Right. Um, Is it Abraham Lincoln with sunglasses on? Yeah, because I really like there's, that. <laughs> there's quite a bit there. Holding a root um, beer. That's so yeah. yeah, I like, you know, I fell in love with the American bison after I did a research project on the American bison in seventh grade English class. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So I like it. Thunder Beast. It's a great name. It really is. And it, yeah. but it brought you some, some controversy. Right. <laughs> it did some unexpected yeah. experiences. Yes. Yes. Oh man. What the hell <laughs> is monsters problem? That's my next question. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting question. So in 2015, um, I found out that monster energy had taken legal action against me. I legally owned the trademark for Thunder Beast and had for a while at that point, but they filed to revoke it and take it away claiming that I was, um, Confusing customers. Effectively, customers were going around willy-nilly buying Thunderbeast thinking it was a Monster Energy product. <laughs> that was their argument. And so I, I found an attorney and I did some research and found that um, over the last eight years, they'd filed about a thousand legal actions against a number of small businesses, um, including a children's book author who used the name Pillow Monsters, Jeez. a lot of small businesses, a lot of a lot of just interesting uh, things where they would often say a similar thing that, that people were confusing the brands and I didn't see a lot of evidence for that. And I decided that I wanted to kind of put a stake in the ground, not just for myself, but for all these other hundreds of or, or over a thousand people. I wanted mm -hmm. to publicly make a stand and say that one company cannot own a generic term like monster or beast and uh, that I thought that was an important issue to take up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, like, as I'm reading the, like, as I was reading the article earlier, I'm, I'm just floored by, by all of it. it it's, uh, it's kind of inspiring to, uh, to read about and, you know, it's kind of like the American, you know, uh, I guess, uh, challenge, I guess, you know, you know, trying really fighting for what's yours and trying to, you know, make a point about, uh, what you're, what you're doing and what your mission is and, doesn't matter how big the enemy is like mm -hmm. you can find a way to overcome it like because you're because the article references that at the time uh monster was a 32 uh um, energy drink manufacturer worth 32 billion how how terrifying was that going up against an uh an opponent with that kind of capital <laughs> you know that's 
Yeah, yeah, that it was really intense um, for a while. Some lawyers I talked to told me they estimated that Monster Energy spent at least a million dollars on my lawsuit last wow. four years. So just knowing that someone was willing to um, spend more money than I, I had made in my business and um, <laughs> just throw that at me. And the judge even said at a hearing that he did not see um, any confusion with the brands and that they were clearly just trying to crush me. Those were the judge's words. Yeah. And that's kind of what it felt like, you know, all this money coming after me. I had, um, I think, almost four days of depositions um, of them just sitting in a room you know, clearly these, these trained lawyers trying to find a way to poke a hole in my argument. And uh, it, it was pretty intense. And there's just a lot of emotion and a lot mm -hmm. of intensity going on. Yeah. And I, I felt a lot like what the judge said, that they were I was felt like I was being crushed by this this huge entity that was much bigger than I was. Right. Well, it's laughable yeah. that people would get these two products like mixed up. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this looks nothing like a monster can like at all. Yeah, they, they, it's it's just laughable. Like, yeah, one of my, I, I think I had two really meaningful things that came out of all this. Sure. And one is I got a number of emails from strangers I'd never met mm -hmm. saying that they were going to start boycotting um, Monster Energy mm -hmm. because they grew up drinking the product and liked it, but mm -hmm. they heard my story and they just thought that they didn't sit right with them. And so a number of uh, strangers co just contacted me, and that felt really good to hear. Yeah. You know, people I'd never mm -hmm. met before saying they're rooting for me and they wanted good things for me. Yeah. And the second thing is, I have heard from at least a dozen, probably two or three dozen other people that Monster Energy has sued. And by being public with it, um, my my name was out there, so I'd often get emails, and I'd always try to to talk talk to these folks and just encourage them and share my story and be an open book. And uh, th there's kind of a a community, if you will, of people who have these shared experiences. I heard from a company in Australia, one in the UK, several all over wow. the US, and got to meet a few of them. Wow! And and that was kind of cool. I stayed in touch with a couple, and that's yeah. that's been a neat thing from it all. Yeah, that, that's incredible. Uh, for a while, I was commuting um, two hours a day for a job, and like, you're work, working crazy weird hours, uh, and I was drinking a lot of Monster Energy energy at the time. Uh, to kind of just keep myself alert and whatever. And then we got Dave, you and I, we stumbled across that article or you stumbled across it. And that really put a sour note on my willingness to, uh, to buy the product anymore. And yeah, I don't know. I can't quite remember the last time I bought it uh, yeah. because I, I can't support that. I no. can't get behind that. Like if, you know, I have a dream of opening up my own, you know, craft brewery. Well, <laughs> you know, if, if uh, Budweiser decides to take up an issue with my name and try and step on me, then I'm in the exact same position uh, that you were in. So mm. yeah. I can't, I can't support that. Um, but yeah, it, it it's incredible. Uh, yeah. This whole thing is really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like when we read it, I was like, yeah, I don't even like monster. I'm never going to drink it again. <laughs> I yelled at one of my, I'm a band director. I yelled at one of my students mm. for drinking monster today. <laughs> They're monsters. That's funny. <laughs> so, they they offered you a settlement, didn't they? So we had we had several rounds of okay. potential settlements, negotiations, and um, at the end of it, um, I kind of felt like it was a situation where I was told if you shut up and go away and never talk about this again, then um, you know you might be able to keep going. 
stay in business and keep your name. And it really just didn't sit well with me. And there are actually two different legal actions I was a part of. The first one was just to the patent office for my trademark. And that was about, <clears throat> it was over a two year process. And actually all the final briefs were filed and they were about to rule. And at the very last second, Monster Energy filed the motion to suspend that, basically saying, never mind, we don't want to go through with this, which I'm assuming that they were expecting to lose. Otherwise, there's no reason they would, they would do that right. in, in, my, in my mind. Um, but then they filed a separate lawsuit against me in California, suing Thunderbeast, but also me personally. Hmm. And it was really interesting because I didn't do any business in California. I had sold maybe a few dozen bottles on, on the Internet, um, but that's where they were based, and so they decided to sue me in California, and they wanted a jury trial, which I thought was really interesting. <laughs> and to be honest, I was very much looking forward to my day in court because I wanted right. to tell my story yeah. and be able to face um, maybe not the accusers directly because it would have been a bunch of lawyers, right. uh, mm -hmm. but I wanted to be able to, to publicly talk about it. So I'm a little sad that that didn't happen, yeah. but we did at the end of that, <clears throat> after almost four years, we did finally settle. And I was able to get a settlement that I thought was was victorious. Um, I was able to make a number of the terms public, which was very, very important to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so I got to legally keep the trademark. There's no no more um, uh, no more legal action. It was all dropped. It was all good. And so that was very rewarding. And then probably the best thing um, that came out of all of this was I got written permission to use the name Fight Monsters for an anti-bullying organization that, uh, that is very near and dear to my heart because, um, first of all, this experience, I think it really, really changed me. It really mm -hmm. changed the way I viewed the world. It took one of my greatest passions in life, root beer, mm -hmm. and it kind of put me through the fire and I had to really dig down deep inside and think about, is this something that I really want to hold on to? And how can I take something meaningful and beautiful and offer it to the world? But then all of this, uh, this intense experience that I had that connected me with a number of people made me think I want to do something more than just make delicious root beer. I want to find a way to encourage and inspire people who are facing monsters in their life. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about the word monster and why I wanted to use the phrase fight monsters is because it's a symbol that everybody can connect with. Everyone mm -hmm. uh, as, a, as a child thinks about these imaginary monsters that they're afraid of. And people connect with monsters because monsters are bullies that use fear to prey on people. That's what we know from movies and from stories. Right. And so the concept of having a fight monsters anti-bullying organization lets me talk about my story. But it lets me connect with other people who are facing monsters, whether it's racism and discrimination or sexual violence or... Um, maybe crushed dreams or hopes that you've had to give up or brush with death or loss of a loved one. Everyone faces a monster at some point in their life. And I want to be able to use my story just to encourage people and, and help them know that they can face their monster down and overcome it. And it's really a question of taking, taking on the fear and not letting it control you. Yeah, that's really cool. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah that's incredible. So you, you've started this nonprofit called Fight Monsters. That's right. Yeah, about a year ago, um, I got my my attorney uh, Eve Hogan is is on board. She's one of the board members. Um, we've got a few other folks. Actually, everyone on my board and all my uh, my primary volunteer all face predatory lawsuits by by different people. Um, so we all had this shared experience of we've been involved in lawsuits that are really intense and personal. Um, 
And I thought that that was just an interesting aside that it's, yeah. you know, it's a common experience. And I've actually met a number of people who faced um, lawsuits. And I think a lot of people don't realize just kind of the intense emotional experience of having something that may last many, many years of your life with no known outcome that could be absolutely devastating financially, yeah. but also just this constant um, feeling of, of persecution, I think a lot of people would relate to. Right. Of, uh, just not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't imagine the, like the emotional toll that it took. Cause I mean, it's, it's everything that you've, you know, worked for. You put, put this whole thing out there and someone's trying to take it away. And, and that's in, you know, any, any kind of lot like suit like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, uh, uh, that these, uh, you know, patent bullies or, um, uh, people who engage in these predatory lawsuits, uh, or is, especially in this case, like Monster, when it was uh, attacking you, uh, do you think the, you know, kind of social uh, risk exposure is why they try and settle out of court? Uh, because, like, to me, it seems like a huge risk to, like, hey, I'm a giant corporation that's got, you know, uh, global recognition, and here I am trying to step on people. Uh, and to me, that seems like it would really hurt your brand to have that stain on on your on your image, and I, I can't believe that they pursue it uh, to uh, protect a uh, a slogan. That that part that part's been flooring me as I was reading the article. I'm like, I, I can't imagine why anybody would actually want to pursue that. I don't know if you've got yeah. 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 That, that certainly baffled me, too, why it seemed like something that was getting negative publicity, like the Washington Post article and mm -hmm. some other articles, I think, talking about the issue made a lot of people that, that I met just think this is a really unfair situation. So people would often talk about how it just doesn't make sense. And clearly, um, I don't think it was a financial financially motivated situation. At least I, I don't understand how it could be. I don't think I was a legitimate threat or I don't think a children's book author is a legitimate no. threat to uh, yeah. energy drink sales. So yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. It doesn't make sense. Why, why that happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, that's in, it's, it's completely baffling to me. So, Oh my God. <laughs> so I, I've, I've got it up on the screen over here. That's why I'm looking up, but Oh my God. So fight monsters, nonprofit, what are you guys aimed towards? Like, what what is your audience? I mean, is it everybody? Is it, I, I guess, what can you tell us about it? Yeah, so I think I think it's inclusive enough that everybody would fit because everyone can relate to this idea of facing a monster. Mm -hmm. Sure, that's scary and hard. Um, and though we're officially uh, anti-bullying mm -hmm. organization, um, I'm less interested in pursuing childhood bullying. Although I th I hope we can do some cool things with that. But mostly talking about um, uh, issues that everyone faces, adults face. I want to engage with my peers and be able to talk about my story in a way that is um, getting people to think about and reflect on the hard things in their life. Mm -hmm. And um, because my own experience was was pretty overwhelming and I didn't realize until the end that emotionally and it's like my mental health and my emotional health just just suffered it was it wasn't very good um, and I wasn't taking care of myself and I had a hard time asking for help or just talking about it right and so 
I had all these really meaningful conversations that came out of it kind of near the other side. And so that's something that more than anything um, we're trying to do is creating a platform to encourage people to tell their own story, to be able to control the narrative around mm -hmm. their experience and not minimize the hard things they've been through, to not mm -hmm. try to leverage it for a, a certain cause, but just to get people to kind of own their story and talk about it and then use that to inspire people who are struggling with hard things. And uh, yeah, an another idea behind um, or connected to that platform to give people a way to share their story is trying to connect with entrepreneurs or artists or people who have really inspiring content that want to create and then be able to use the Fight Monsters idea to highlight what they're doing to tell their story and to have a common thread that runs through all of the people we partner with. Mm -hmm. And I would love after, after being a small business owner for many years, um, to be able to use this organization just to help other small businesses and just to promote just good things in the world. I mean, that's what got me into root beer in the first place is something I thought was really cool and a beautiful part of life. And I yeah. wanted to share it with people. And so I want to find other people who do the same thing to make the world a better place and then just bring them together under the common, uh, common umbrella of, of taking on the hard things in life together and overcoming the monsters and helping people not be afraid anymore. Absolutely. I think that's really important, right? Especially right now in our, in our world, right? We need to be able to talk about those hard things in life because, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of them right now. We're a lot of people are struggling with the, with the pandemic and with everything going on in our country, you know, that there's, there's a lot of things that we as adults need to talk about, right? That's right. So there's abs, there's absolutely a need. Yeah. I, that's, yeah. And as a as a musician and as a music educator, we I talk about like music is more than just playing notes, right? So this is on this is right on my level because this is what I talk to my students about every single day. We yeah. we go straight to the core. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Cuz we can. <laughs> Why not? Um Oh, I like this. And we do need to, we need more positivity, right? We need more positive things yeah. in our news feeds and all of that. So this is, I'm excited about this, man. Yeah. And I, I think that all fits right in with, you know, the, you know, the whole fight monsters and uh, positivity uh, that really fits in with craft soda in a, in a big way. Cause uh, like a, I used to work at a winery um, and that was a fun job for a lot of different reasons. But one of my favorite things about it is that no one showed up at at a at the winery to have a bad time. No one reaches for a craft soda to have a good, bad time. This is like a this is like a feel good thing, and uh, I I think that's why like your story uh, is kind of so inspiring on that is because it's it's more than just uh, you know a, a David and Goliath situation. It's more of a you know we we need we need big wins. Uh, for uh, for everything in our lives. And this is kind of an inspiring story to pursue a win. Um, I don't know if that made any sense whatsoever, but that's where my mind rambled on to. But, yeah, I get that. And I appreciate you saying that. It means yeah. a lot. Um, several years into the process, I really had to make a decision. My wife and I talked about it, and we knew that one possible outcome was just financial devastation. And honestly, mm -hmm. even though um, I feel like on paper I won, I, I won, I still have my trademark and I got to get to do all this cool stuff. Financially, still, I didn't get any of my legal um, fees uh, recovered and I lost a lot of money and it was really challenging to pursue that, but it still, it still was worth it. 
Mm-hmm. And even though I had to make other calculations, so it wasn't just an e- economical one, um, but I was just thinking about what it would mean to be able to look back and talk about how I stared this monster in the face and I was able to not bend to its will, but right. to stick out my course, to stay true to my character mm-hmm. and continue. But then greater than all those things really was just being able to tell other people or what I wanted to do through my actions was give someone hope who was facing something much, much more challenging than I was. So, mm-hmm. you know, if that small craft soda maker can face this $30 yeah. billion dollar corporation and go on for four years and survive <laughs> and come out ahead on the other side, then maybe I can take on this Goliath in my life. And that's really yeah. what I want. I wanted to be able to just encourage people around me who are the true, you know, champions, the people who are mm-hmm. taking on really hard things that I can't even relate to. Right. And it's neat to be able to talk to people and just encourage them. Yeah. Man. That's so cool. Great. I like that. Yeah. I like it a lot. So I'm I'm looking at your website right now, fightmonsters.org, right? Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah, that's right. So people people out there whether you're listening live or listening at uh, later, go check out fightmonsters.org. Um so you guys you do speaking events, is that is that right? That's right. So I'm out for doing all kinds of things. Um the only I guess events that we did kind of consistently or several of last year um, came out right as, you know, COVID yeah. started to take over. So it shut us down fast. But mm-hmm. we, one of my board members is an artist and, and teaches kids with different challenges in their life about art. And so we created this event that's kind of like a, a wine and painting night. We would get people together and they'd have good food and drink. And then we'd ask them to, to paint something connected to one of the monsters in their life some memory or emotion connected to their monster. So yeah. we spent this great social interaction painting something, and then we had a conversation afterward, just if anyone wanted to, kind of sharing their, their um, experience, and I talked about mine, and uh, we did a, a Zoom event like that also. And that was that's one of the ideas of the kinds of <clears throat> events we want to do, things that are social and fun, but also just very meaningful and provide human connection yeah. and allow people to talk about some hard things in a way that's safe and and uh and positive and um yeah so we're actually uh starting a podcast this year to talk to you guys and i guess on yours i'll uh i'll steal all your good ideas that's fine take uh, it see where it goes (laughs) um but the idea is um interviewing 100 people to talk about the monster in their life and the idea is to find people who are very very different maybe people i would never normally be friends with or just very different lives than me and just get all of them to share some common themes about the hard things that they've learned and i think that that message of connecting with people very different than you but learning to empathize and learning to connect on a deeper level is just a really needed thing and just a really good thing it's good for everybody absolutely and, uh, so that's going to be exciting and then we have a few products that we're working on this year yeah. um yeah, hopefully I'll have some some fun announcements about that soon. But it's just just some neat, some neat things. That I'm more about. more than the stuff you have now on your website. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's exciting. Ooh, yeah. Mysterious. Yeah. Ooh. That's Man. right. Man of mystery. <laughs> so, what's your favorite kind of like engagement? You know, you talked about the this this painting. Um, what what's your favorite one that like? the idea that's come up that you're most excited for or one of the ones that you've done that you're the most excited about, I guess mm. it, it can be the painting. That's, that's a good answer too. Yeah. The, the painting one, um, I think is really unique because I am not a 
what you call a good artist. Certainly not a visual artist anyway. Same, yeah. But I really yeah. found um, over the last few years that art is a really good outlet for just for processing f- yes. some challenging things. And it can be uncomfortable or awkward or hard to talk about some deeper things in life that are overwhelming. Yeah. And I found that art provided a... <clears throat> a really good way to just engage and connect with it because even like choosing certain colors or certain textures Mm -hmm. allows you to express yourself with no pressure and then you can talk about it and uh, I think my favorite interactions are the ones that allow people to um, just open up and share some of the hard things that they're carrying so it feels like the burden that they had all to themselves is now spread out over other people and they don't have to do it on their own and um, I'd love to be able to um, adapt some similar things using music, um, but also physical activities. Um, yeah. I was an athlete for 15 years on the swim team, and I, I've often found that exercise just can be a really meaningful mm-hmm. way to process and think through things, but mm-hmm. also just healthy and good and fun. So, yeah, um, yeah, we have a few ideas for incorporating that into events. Yeah, um, you were on yeah. the you were on the swim team at Harvard, weren't you? That's right. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, I like to say I'm better at not drowning than most people. Most people in the world. <laughs> That's I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. I I agree with. I mean, everybody processes like grief and and their you know the weight that they carry in different ways. Like, my wife is a runner. She runs right. That's how she she handles a lot of her stuff. I am a musician. I'm a jazz musician, so I play. Right. Mm-hmm. Matt's super tall. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm a brewer. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, <laughs> but like brewing is my therapy. Like that's kind of like you know I really enjoy the act of creation. I've been really trying to dial back the drinking. Um, <laughs> that's been that's been a challenging quarantine. But uh, since we've been kind of uh, you know uh, sequestered to our homes for so long, I've made an effort to make a batch of beer every week um, since June, and I've kept up on that and uh, i hit a point you know this winter where i'm like you know i'm not really building a stockpile of beer anymore um so i'm drinking what i'm making and i'm making a lot and so i've had to try and you know reshift a few things but the act of creating something was i think what i was really after not uh looking for something to uh kind of drown feelings and I was more looking to express my feelings through creating something mm-hmm. and that's what I've really enjoyed about uh, soda making uh, it's what I really enjoy about brewing beer and yeah. Um, yeah whenever we talk to anybody who makes a soda of any kind I'm very curious to you know, know learn their story uh, how they do it um, and kind of why they do it and yeah it's just it's just really really cool stuff creating creating anything is is kind of the the outlet for me so we need more creativity in this world Mm -hmm. more arts whether that's brewing arts or performing Mm -hmm. arts yeah you know matt your mom jumped on our live stream just as you were saying you need to drink less (laughs) (laughs) classic (laughs) classic carol man so Thunder Beast, American root beer. I really like that it's American root beer and American cream soda. Yeah, yeah, that was very nice. The marketing yeah. is great. Did, so, did you do all of the like the design and everything, um, or like coming up with what's written on the bottle? Or yeah, that's my question. 
<laughs> yeah, I I didn't make it look pretty, but I came up with all the all the concepts, and I worked with a few different graphic designers to kind of go back and forth and put everything into place. And so, really, in the early days, it was me doing kind of everything. One of my first deliveries um, I did on my bicycle. So rolled up to this restaurant with a case of root beer in my backpack off my bicycle. So that was kind of fun. Um, did a lot of hand bottling, a lot of mixing, a lot of figuring out the accounting and, and all the different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think designing the label and then designing the flavors was my favorite part. Yeah. It was a lot. Well, the label like jumps out at you like, oh, I need to get that. Like now. what this, yeah. First time I saw it online somewhere, I was like, oh. I need that. And then I finally got it in person. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I had one distributor tell me they didn't want to carry my product because they didn't like my label. <laughs> and the store also didn't want to carry my product because they didn't like my label. And so now I feel very validated that you, a Rupert <laughs> expert, have said that I have indeed a very good label. Well, but I like it. I really yeah. do. <laughs> I like the thunderbolt going through the bison. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. yeah, that's right. So is it just you, or are there other members of the team? Yeah, so it's it's just been me. Wow. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of years making a lot of root beer. Um, I suckered a lot of friends into helping me with the bottling. Nice. Um, I did a lot of farmers markets and festivals, so mm-hmm. I'd also get a lot of friends to come. Turns out, if you offer free root beer floats and some cool shirts, you can get your friends to do a lot of stuff. <laughs> at least for the first few years, and then you have to yeah. figure out how to keep them you know, engaged. Right. Yeah. And my wife helped a lot also, which is really great. I, I actually uh, met her at a farmer's market. She bought a root beer float for me and that was our first interaction. So <laughs> wow. I like I the teaser that she just wanted free root beer floats for life. Yeah. And that's why she was interested, but I'll take it. She wanted I a piece, no a piece of the pie. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's a great love story. That is a great love story. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is right up Dave's alley for sure. Oh yes. <laughs> man. Oh man. <laughs> so regardless of what happens with uh, 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 Thunder Beast moving forward as you uh, build out um, the Fight Monsters uh, uh, organization, uh, do you see yourself uh, continuing to make craft sodas at home uh, for fun and hobby uh, going forward? I do. Um, yeah. I, I've expanded to a number of different kinds of foods and drinks mm-hmm. because the process is just, just really fun. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I've made a number of different kinds of kinds, kinds of things, but... Um, I do keep coming back to um, the root beer flavor. I actually, um, f- for Christmas, my wife got me a candle making kit, and I'm trying to make a root beer scented candle. Yes. I don't know that I plan to sell it really, but if <laughs> only for my own purposes to make right. my house smell perpetually like root beer. Yes. Um, it's gonna be fun. But yeah, it's just something about both creating something but experimenting and combining flavors is is really good. Yeah. Um, I've also been meaning to make some root beer flavored candy just because it'd be really fun. Yeah. And uh, I've made things like root beer flavored uh, Rice Krispie treats and just all kinds of stuff. Yes. So experimentation will not go away. I, I think that I'll get back into craft soda um, in a few a few years. Mm-hmm. I definitely hit a point of saturation of doing it too much, and so I felt kind of burnt out. And then yeah. the lawsuit honestly took a lot out of yeah. me Yeah. of uh, just wanting to think about and talk about other things. But I do find myself reaching for a – a cold root beer when I just want something special to yeah. celebrate or chill out a little bit. So yeah, that hasn't, hasn't gone away as everybody should. Right. That's the only way to celebrate. That's right. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. To you, what makes the perfect root beer? Hmm. That's a great question. 
I know. You can think I, about it for a while. I, we can we can go radio silence well, if you want. Well, like. I have. I have thought about it for <laughs> okay, a while. Okay. For a few decades, Obviously, actually. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> Something I look forward to root beer, and I, I, I still love trying root beers I've never had. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. think that'll ever stop. Something really cool happens when you you know go to like maybe a local craft craft brewery or something and they bring their own story and their own flavors and so what i look for is just a really unique combination of flavors and then some complexity and so some root beers are kind of one-dimensional or mm-hmm. have just a lot of one thing and i look for a just a really interesting balance yeah. or something creative that i haven't really had before that that works it's not like too wild and too far out there but it's that the subtleties and the, the, the blend and the balance right. that I really enjoy. Right. Yeah. Besides Thunder Beast, are there any other root beers out there that you really like? For a long time, <clears throat> my favorite root beer was called Nutfield. Nutfield? In, in New England. They're no longer in business. It's a family-run business. I got gotten to know uh, Jim, the guy who started it. And uh, I really liked the root beer. And that partly inspired me to, to start wow. making my own. Yeah. Um, Growing up, I also liked 1919 root beer um, <laughs> back when it was draft only. I yeah. uh, was really into that. You guys? Oh, yeah. There we go. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that would be our favorite root beer, hands down. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Huh? We, uh, we, talk, we talk them up a lot. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> they're, that's, that's... they're from right here in Minnesota, right? They're, this, is, yeah. this is our brother. But where are you from? He's at Kansas City earlier. Oh, yes, yeah, I'm grew, sorry. I grew up in Kansas City, then spent some time in Boston, Washington, D.C., sure. and I'm actually in Austin, Texas now. Oh, really? A few years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got me so pumped now. Okay. <laughs> you are. You're really excited. Yeah. Cause... I, uh, I first got into 1919 root beer because I needed a keg for my cousin's wedding, mm-hmm. and there were the only brands I could get uh, and draft in Kansas City. And so we uh, drove it down to Oklahoma from Kansas City for my cousin's wedding because I had to deliver since I was a root beer guy. Yep. And uh, we know. I don't know how much I drank of that wedding, how much root beer, but it was a lot. And it was a very uncomfortable yeah. evening after that yeah. because my tolerance had slipped. This was at post college, so my sugar tolerance was not where it used to be. <laughs> and it was just, you know, trying to, trying to make it the rest of the night. But yeah. We've been there. Delicious, delicious root yeah. beer. Yeah, we get yeah, it. Been there. No All need been to explain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you don't judge me. I, no, no. I appreciate oh. that openness. Yeah, no, there's no judging. Yeah. We've been judged many times. Oh yeah, <laughs> man, yeah. I love it. So Kansas City, did, where it was like, uh, were those Kansas City like soda company? Was that there when you were there, or was there was there any soda scene there? Not that I recall. There was a a chain of local stores called Winstead's that was kind of like an ice cream parlor, sure. uh, soda fountain type of thing. And I remember going there um, fondly. But it wasn't until college and I started to experiment with with kegs with craft yeah. craft root beer that I, it really opened the world of uh, of new products. I mostly sure. just had some of the, the generic brands, the really big name brands, sure. growing up. And then after I started to have the good stuff in the bottle or the even better, the, the keg only. Yeah. That's when it really came to light in my life. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah. every, everything's better out of a keg. It really is. Mm-hmm. One year for my birthday, I didn't want to do, to do uh, root beer, so I put chocolate milk in a keg. Maybe not my greatest idea <laughs> because chocolate milk is even a lot heavier and sweeter than root beer. But it was a pretty epic party, I will tell you. <laughs> everything's better out of a keg. That's amazing. 
Yeah. Wow. I, we need to try a lot and a lot more things, new things. You do. This is Good exciting. Day. Yeah. Man. So I, I'm going to have to try that trick of reaching out to uh, 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 flavor manufacturers for samples, because uh, there there is a legitimate potential outlet for uh, making my our own root beer if uh, if slash when I get the brewery off the ground. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I haven't told. Well, if you, if you do, you have to promise. Let me come someday and do oh, like yeah. a brewing session, and <laughs> yes. then make some root beer together because that would yeah, just absolutely be yes, day. absolutely. Yeah. I haven't yeah, told man. Matt. I have a lot of plans for his brewery. He knows <laughs> that. He knows this. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. 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 Very yeah. cool. If you uh, are going down that that route and want some suggestions. I think I hand bottled about 50,000 bottles before I outsourced it. So I know a little bit about bottling and jerry rigging and bootstrapping and those things. I'm happy to tell you all my mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And you did all that on your own, right? Because <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I worked at uh, the winery I worked at. We did uh, a little shy of 100,000 bottles um, every year. And that was on a hand bottler. But there was a team of us and I was getting paid to do it. And, you know, like I wasn't worried about if I was going to be able to sell it personally or not. I was an employee and oh, my God, <laughs> that's a lot of root beer to bottle on your own. Mm-hmm. So, you know. yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. I'm, I'm glad that those days are behind me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I think. I think that's that's all we got. I mean, we could talk for hours. Yeah. That's the truth. That yeah. is the, yeah. <laughs> the, right. the real truth. But, um, Stephen, thank you so much for coming and chatting with us today. It's been a yeah. long time coming, and I'm glad that we made it happen. Um, folks at home, if you haven't yet already, go check out fightmonsters.org and drinkthunderbeast.com. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, a special thanks uh, to uh, to Soda Pop Rose. Uh uh, they are our current uh, sponsor. Yeah. Dave, you want to do your little thing? Oh yeah. yeah. Wait, we can we we already did this at the beginning of the episode. Remember, Matt? Oh, we're, we're gonna talk. We can talk about him again. Okay, we talk about him again. Jeremy's a very nice. Jeremy man. was on our last episode, and Soda Pop Rose is a soda. It was we talked about earlier in this episode. <laughs> is a. <laughs> Uh, soda company, they have their own line of sodas. They're also distributing locally in the Windsor, Canada area. So if you're looking mm-hmm. to get some craft sodas from the U.S. in Canada, he's your guy. If you're looking to get Canadian soda in the U.S., he's your guy. Sodapopros.com. Yeah. Man. Well, again, Stephen, thank you so much for coming. We yeah. will be, we will not lose contact. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah thank you so much it. for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Um, and I might be firing off a few questions uh, yeah. <laughs> as for, from a creator uh, perspective here uh, in the near future. Yeah, yeah. So. anytime. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. been looking forward to this for a while, talking about yeah. root beer and finding monsters are just two of my favorite things. So yeah. I yeah. had a great time. Well, thank I'm you perfect. so much. Yeah. yeah. All right. My name's Dave. And I'm Matt. And we are... Root Beer Radio. Goodbye. Bye. Two brothers set out on a lifelong quest to brew some root beer and to 
discuss all the controversial topics that plague the root beer community. We're talking root beer radio. With you guys who love root beer. Root beer radio. A podcast about root beer. Root beer radio. Yeah, it's all about root beer. Root beer.